Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, we'll preview Falcons in Washington. I need a Saints-like performance from CP84. And are the winds of change going to happen with the Hawks this year? It's all next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by Bet Online. We ask you to head to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button as we're just about at 5,000 folks that have subscribed. Leave us a comment. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Leave us a five star review. Roku and Amazon Fire. Yes, we are there as well. So check us out on those platforms. And of course, give me a follow. On my personal Twitter page, that would be at JMCH316. So we get ready Sunday for Falcons and the Commodores coming up on Sunday. Listen, if the Falcons find a way to win this game, this is going to be an absolute slugfest. I, I just, I really look at this game up in Washington this week and just think that the Falcons can escape with a win out of there. And we talked earlier in the week about how hot right now Washington is, right? They've won, what, five of their last six? I mean, They've played really well and they've gotten themselves back in the playoff hunt. Six and five. That whole NFC East is above 500 right now. But this is a tough physical football team, you know. And I kind of joked before about Ron Rivera about, you know, I'm not the, I don't think he's the best coach, but people, you know, act like, you know, I, again, I always joke because the number one thing people point to about what makes Ron Rivera great, great coach is they point to the fact, well, he played for the 84 Bears. Okay. I don't know what that has to do anything to do with it, but they are a tough, physical-minded team. So he's brought that identity over from Carolina with him over here to Washington. Now, a couple of things to know about this. When you look at uh, Washington's defense, they give up the fifth lowest completion percentage in the NFL, but they have given up the fourth most touchdown passes in the league. So quarterbacks don't have a ton of success against them. But when you get down in the red zone, there are opportunities to put the ball in the end zone. They are giving up touchdown passes when the defense is getting down deep. Now, obviously, with no Kyle Pitts, this makes this more of a premium for the Falcons. But again, when we talk about maybe splitting Patterson out wide, maybe trying some different things, again, there is opportunity there. If there has been a weakness, it's that as the Washington defense gets down deeper, In the red zone, they are prone to giving up touchdown passes. Now, they've also given up the 10th fewest rushing yards in the league, and they have the eighth lowest yards per attempt number that they've given up, and they've given up the seventh fewest rushing touchdowns. So we obviously know the Falcons' identity going in this thing is run the football heavily. But this is not going to be an easy team to accumulate yards against. So when you get down deeper in the red zone against this team, assuming that we have some drives that head down in the red zone, you may have to be a little bit more creative. This is where Arthur needs to maybe get a little bit expanded in his play calling when they get in the red zone. It may not be very easy to just line up and mash it right at them, right? So being able to pass the football down deep in the red zone, I know that puts, you know, ball in harm's way with Mariota and all that good kind of stuff, but still that's where the advantage is though. And I think that this is going to be a very grind them out game 
for the Falcons. I don't think they're going to put the ball in the air a whole lot, and they're going to probably not, you know, find a ton of success. But it feels like one of those games where, you know, it used to be the joke about with Barry Sanders, right? You go and pound, 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 and he's going to have a whole bunch of negative yardage plays, then all of a sudden he gets a big play. You're going to have to kind of wear down this defense. And we talked about the other day, and I'll mention it here in just a minute, just the idea of what the biggest matchup is in this game. Now, here's the big thing about the Washington defense the last three weeks, and this is why I say it's going to be such tough sledding. They've only given up 171 yards total the last three weeks on defense. 171 yards total in the last three weeks is all that they've given up. And they don't give up a lot of yards per carry. They don't give up a whole lot on defense. They're a very salty defense that comes after you. So you have to stay committed to the run. It's easy if things don't go well at times to not stay committed. It's one of the things I love about Arthur Smith is he will commit to the run no matter what because he knows he can't throw it around. And he knows without Kyle Pitts, you can't start hucking it around. So you have to stay with it. As a fan, you better be ready for plenty of negative yardage plays. Now, we talked about Jonathan Allen against Drew Dahlman and our interior offensive line. That is the matchup of the week. Look, they are terrific everywhere along their defensive line. Quiddy Pay, Jonathan Allen, they're going to get Chase Young back, right? They have a lot of talent on that defensive line, and they wreak and they create a whole lot of havoc. We talked about the fact that they have three guys that have at least six sacks. So now you got you got Sweat, you got Allen, and they've invested a lot of high draft capital, right? It's not coincidence that all that high draft capital pays off, you know, over a longer period of time, right? As far as how do I get myself good? Be really good on your line of scrimmage. And they're outstanding on the defensive line. So you take Jonathan Allen, you take Montez Sweat, you take uh, Deron Payne, I should say, not Quiddy Payne, but Deron Payne, and you take Chase Young. You got a really formidable defensive front. But you're going to have to stay committed to what the game plan is. You can't afford for this team, absolutely, cannot afford to get into hucking it all around, throwing it all around, because they're a very average offense. I mean, look, they don't put up a whole crap ton of points and yards and things like that. The fact that they are the, um, uh, I think that they are, I think like 23rd in scoring or something like that in the league. So it's not a matter of that they go out there and they score a whole bunch of points on you and they they run the score up. Yeah, 23rd in the NFL in points, points per game at 19, uh, 19 and a half. But their defense is really salty, and they're really good on third down. 32.8% is all they give up on third down. So, look, you've got – I mean, keys to this game to me, you've got to stay ahead of the chains. You have to make yards on first and second down. You cannot get yourself into either obvious passing situations or any sort of third and long because this defense will feast on you. And the more that you allow Allen – and sweat and pain and those guys. And I don't know how much Chase Young is going to play. I don't know that he's going to, you know, full all out, ready to go. My guess is he'll be on a pitch count, but they have plenty of guys up front to take care of the Falcons. So you're going to have to find a way to block Jonathan Allen this game. He blew up the Texans offensive line last week, crushed their center, crushed their interior line, two sacks, four tackles for loss, four quarterback hits. That's the kind of season that he's having. Crushed their line last week. So if you can stay ahead of the chains, if you can keep the chains moving, you know, they're like I said, their offense is not going to go in and quick strike and roll it up on you. They've got some weapons, no doubt about it. You know, but Heineke's been a middle-of-the-road 
quarterback. He has taken nine sacks, I believe uh, is the number that I saw in his starts this year. Let me uh, confirm that. Yes, he has taken he has taken nine sacks uh, on the season in only five games, only 60.8% completion percentage. He's got five touchdowns and four picks. So he's prone to take sacks, prone to take some turnovers. He doesn't complete a high percentage. But again, our pass defense has been anemic. Let's put it that way. That's a lot to do with injury. I expect with A.J. Terrell back that this thing is going to get more on track. Do I think the Falcons can win? Yes, it would have to be a very grind them out kind of game. Am I very optimistic? Eh, I don't know. This is a tough spot for the Falcons. They come out with a win on Sunday. Now we can really start to talk about playoffs and making a run at all that. I want to talk with my friends over at Bet Online. Listen, have you headed over to betonline.net? It's your number one source for all of your sports wagering information. Look, you want to get in on some action. We're closing out the college football season. We're headed toward the home stretch of the NFL season. College basketball is cranked up. NBA is full go right now. We're in NHL season. A lot that's going on right now, right? All kinds of things that are spinning around and going right now. All kinds of different things you can get in on. Head to betonline.net today. It's really simple. You take your mobile device, head to betonline.net. Check out all of the information that they have available at your fingertips. You want to be a smarter sports better? Listen, they got news, esports, scores, stats, all kinds of fantasy information, all kinds of different things that you need to be a smarter sports better. Then when you've got that information, jump in on the action. You feel like the Falcons are a good play this weekend? Jump in on the action. You feel like Georgia's going to cover that 30, 35-point number? Jump in on the action. So take the mobile device, head to betonline.net today, check out all of the information they have, get in on the action. It's where the action starts. So as we continue to look at this game, to me, the guy that really needs to just ball it out this week is CP84. Now, obviously, look, he missed the, you know, the time with the knee surgery and all that, and he's been back in three games. So in the three games that he's been back, he's accumulated 28 um rushing attempts with four receptions can i tell you he's got to this week be full go and i mean 17 20 25 carries in the backfield you have to rely and lean on him heavily this week and i need him to find a way to catch maybe four or five passes this week so what i need out of patterson is a new orleans saints type of performance remember that performance at the beginning of the season, 22 rushes, 120 yards. He caught three passes for 16 yards. He had a rushing touchdown in the game, you know, or a game like he had in Seattle. 17 carries, 141 yards, scored a touchdown, had the one reception for 12 yards. I need him to have his best game of the season because I don't know if they get stymied in the run game, I don't know what their alternative path to success is. So, First off, Patterson, the last three weeks that he's been back, 13, 5, and 10 have been the number of carries that he's had. His uh, number of receptions, 1, 1, 2. All of that has to go up this week. And if you look at his numbers, you start getting into some of the analytics about his numbers. He's almost 50-50 as far as yards before contact and yards after contact. So he's done a good job of he gets through the hole quickly and he picks up a decent amount of yards. But he also finds a way to break through some tackles and pick up some yards after contact. Well, he's going to find out that he's going to find defensive linemen from you know the Commodores in his lap very quickly. He's going to find those guys very quickly 
in his lap. So he's going to have to be able to break through some tackles. But you need to feed him the rock. He's one of those guys that it feels like if you continue to feed him the rock, he is going to find a way to break off one of those big runs. So I would tell you right now, 20 is the magic number about where I need him to be. I need him to be at least 20 carries. I need him to be somewhere around 100 yards on those 20 carries. And I need him to catch maybe three or four passes for 30, 35 yards. I need him to be a huge part of the offense this week. He's our best offensive player going into this game. He's the guy who makes such a difference. Now, whether or not that means he's going to do a lot in the kickoff returns, I don't know. Arthur Smith was kind of, you know, kind of one way or the other and stuff like that. But if it were me and I'm coaching, he's back on kickoff returns. He was the special teams player of the week this week, by the way, if you didn't get to see it. And I know part of that is he set the record and all that kind of stuff. But still, special teams player of the week. Me, I need him in all phases that I can get him. Hell, I might put him at cornerback if I need help back there. No, just joking. But anyway, I need him to return kicks if need be. And I need him to touch it a whole bunch of times. The more he touches it, the more the less my quarterback has to go out and touch it. So this is one of those weeks where, you know, feed him the rock. You know, we've talked about before that, you know, that that game against uh, New Orleans where he had the 22 carries, that was the highest total he'd ever had in a game. Well, I need him to be somewhere around that. And I think that if they can feed him that much, and look, I want to mix in Algier. I want to mix in Huntley. I want to see those guys get carries as well. This this is an all-hands-on-deck running game because I think that yards are going to be tough and it's going to be hard to get yards in the running game, but they have to find a way to grind it out. And that all starts with Patterson. That starts with his ability to get the running game cranked up and going. I'm not sure about Mariota in the run game because you know that they're going to be watching and spying on him because they're going to keep their integrity coming on the outside. They're going to, you know, with Young and Sweat and those guys, they're going to keep their integrity on the outside. And they feel like their interior guys can manhandle our offensive line. So I don't know how much Mariota is going to be involved in a running game like this. I need guys. I don't want my quarterback getting in too much harm's way. I don't need him trying to run at Payne and Sweat and Young and Allen. I don't need him putting himself in harm's way. I need CP to get out there and carry the bulk of this load for this offense this weekend. As far as passing wise goes, again, I'm going to keep saying it, you know, 20 attempts. You know, if Mariota is somewhere around 14 for 20, 15 for 20, that's all I need out of it for, say, 100, 145 yards. Okay, I'll take that. 150 yards, I'll take that. I don't need him to go out and do a whole lot. Okay, their offense is not going to get it cranked up and, and get a lot of things going. In fact, if you look over the last few weeks, for uh, the Commodores, they, you know, their offense, their passing offense, um, 191, 178, 126. So they haven't thrown it for 200 yards in the last three games that they played. So again, their offense is not going to get way out in front of you and you're going to have to throw and try to play catch up with it. It's going to be a grind them out game, but this is the week where I need CP to get himself back into that first week of the season, first couple of weeks of the season, where the 22, the 17 carries, the 120, 141 yards. I don't know if he can accumulate that many yards, but I think the more that you feed him in this game and throw him some balls, again, split them out, throw a couple of quick ins, a screen, whatever, get the ball in CP's hands this week. 
I'm hoping that when all is said and done, that we're going to look up and he's going to have somewhere between 20 and 25 touches in this game. I think if they can get him the ball that many times, I think the Falcons definitely find themselves in a situation where they can make some good things happen. All right, I want to mention, too, don't forget to make uh, Locked On Sports today your second listen every day. Of course, we thank you for making Hitting Hard with John Trucker your first listen. But listen, biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game takes, your take of the day, all of it is there at Locked On Sports today. You can check them out for free on Odyssey, YouTube, all of your favorite podcast platforms. Check out Locked On Sports today. So I was reading an article uh, from my buddy, Pat Benson, who covers the Atlanta Hawks for Sports Illustrated. And it was interesting because he was uh, quoting an article from Michael Scotto, uh, one of the ins- inside NBA inside reporters. I don't know. He's got a blue check mark. That's that's, you know, what what has to matter most. Right. But anyway, this is what they say in the article. Quote, rival NBA executives believe that Atlanta will likely have to part with either John Collins Bogey Bogdanovich or Clint Capella to avoid looming luxury tax concerns next season. And they go on to say that they think that Bogey is the most available trade piece among the people that are mentioned in there. Now, look, we got rumors last week or whatever it was, or this week or whatever it was, that John Collins, they're opening up and exploring trade talks. Okay. Um, now, again, understand this is the same blue checkmark media who told me that Collins would be traded on draft night or well, not really draft that, but he'll be traded here in the offseason. It's a done deal. Well, that didn't happen either out there. Look, here's the thing. Here's where you look at the Hawks, right? And this is why this year is so important to the direction, right? Remember how I spent so much of the first part of this show when we first started up in April? Which way is the pendulum going to swing for the Atlanta Hawks, right? So if you look at where the Hawks are at, okay? They're teetering on the luxury tax right now. They're within a couple of million dollars of the luxury tax. And the number one reason that they moved on from Kevin Herter is not a matter of they didn't like Kevin Herter as a player, but his new $65 million, whatever, $64 million contract was about to kick in in year one. And I know Tony Ressler has said in the past that they are willing to go in the luxury tax. But remember, He also said they're willing to go in the luxury tax if it makes sense. Well, right now the Hawks are 10 and 7 on the year. So it's a good start. They're not in bad shape or anything like that. And we talked about starting tonight. I'll be at the game tonight against the Sacramento Queens. That's a pretty good squad. They're a couple games above 500. But the schedule opens up, right? There's plenty of over the next 19 games from tonight to the end of the calendar year. Plenty of Detroit, Orlando, Charlotte. Indiana, Miami, Chicago, right? You got some of the bottom feeders and really some of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference right now over this next 19-game stretch. And then that'll end at the end of the calendar year. The last game of the calendar year is on the 30th against the Lakers here at State Farm Arena. So there's an opportunity. I said before, get me a 13-6 and stretch starting tonight to the end of the calendar year, and you'd be 10 games over 500 going into next year. But why this is so important is that you have to think about where the Hawks are at. So remember, Capella signs a two-year extension. So we got him for a couple of more years, right? John Collins signed his deal a couple of years ago. So when you look at where they're at, Bogdanovich this year, this will be Bogey's last year in Atlanta. Either they'll trade him and move on, or if they if he picks up his player option, because next year he has a player option available, they'll find a way to move him. 
because he's an unrestricted free agent in two years if he doesn't pick up his he's got this year and he's got a player option for next year and for sure he's an unrestricted free agent the year after that so if he picks us picks up his option i think they'd rather he do that with another franchise so i do expect bogey is going to be on the move okay now the other part of this too is dejounte murray what's the long-term future of dejounte murray they gave up draft capital to get him he's got this year and he's got next year and then he's an unrestricted free agent okay you think he's playing in two years for a ham sandwich see what he's done for this team in this franchise you see how good of a player he is you know what his reputation is around the league he's going to command a high premium okay you start getting into signing dejounte murray you are well in the luxury tax and the thing about the luxury tax in the nba is why you have to navigate it so much is the fact that your first year, not so bad. But when you accumulate luxury tax money year over year, now you really get hammered. Because now you're talking about like 150% that you make up in the taxes and stuff like that. The numbers get like, like a, a, a boulder rolling downhill. You end up finding yourself very quickly in cap purgatory or you're forking out a whole bunch of cash. Well, that's fine if you're the Golden State Warriors, right? If you're the top team in the NBA winning an NBA title, that ain't so good if you're middle of the road. And the Hawks right now are 15th in the NBA in payroll. So they are spending some money and they're spending in the upper half. But the luxury tax is going to become a reality if this team gets good. And that's the thing. Is this team going to be good enough to make that jump feet first into the luxury tax pool? If not, if this is another year where we look up and they're, you know, let's just even say that they're sixth or seventh, eighth in the in, in the uh, Eastern Conference, and they're kind of good but not great, and they don't get very far in the playoffs, I think you're going to see a lot of changes for the Atlanta Hawks. I think the Hawks are going to start to say, okay, let's keep a couple few guys core, because they've locked up a lot of guys, right? They've locked up DeAndre Hunter. They've locked up Capella. For a couple of years collins is locked up trey is locked up right they've locked up a whole bunch of their pieces that are not you know rookie guys like jalen johnson and griffin and those guys they've locked up a bunch of their pieces i understand completely where they're coming from because again i do believe tony wrestler when he says look we'll go in the luxury tax if it makes sense okay if this is another middle of the road kind of year they won't go in the luxury tax and there will be changes that will come starting this year starting at the trade deadline, whether that's Capella, Bogey, whatever, they will start to move salary off the books because there's no need to go in the luxury tax if you're just some midland team that's a first or second round playoff team. So that's why this year becomes so important for the Hawks. You know, you're going to have to decide what you're going to do with DeJounte Murray. You're going to have to decide, is the luxury tax realistic? You know, if we're making another run in the Eastern Conference Finals this year, they'll be in the luxury tax. They'll, they'll find a way to shine uh, sign, excuse me, DeJounte Murray, and they'll find themselves in the luxury tax when all is said and done. But it has to make sense. And it's a good start, 10 and 7, but it's going to have to be better than that. That's why this 19-game stretch gets to be important. You want to go into 2023 with a good optimistic outlook as you head toward the first half of the season. When we get to January 1st, we're not exactly at the halfway point, but we're within, you know, a, a handful of fingers to the halfway point. And this season will dictate 
what direction they're going to go. This will not be a call that Landry Fields or, you know, your coach or whatever. Makes, this is going to come from the direct top and Tony Ressler. And I understand, and I've talked to Tony Ressler before, they're not afraid to go in the luxury tax. They're not afraid to spend money. But they're also not going to spend money stupidly. You want to sign DeJounte Murray? You want to be in the luxury tax? You want to make a run at it? Then they have to win basketball games. And that starts tonight with the Sacramento Queens, and especially for this next 19-game stretch. All right, we well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Make sure you hit us up on Locked On Sports today for your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. You can find them on Odyssey, YouTube, all of your favorite podcast platforms. Check them out today. We ask you to head to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta in your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. We're free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey. Check us out there. And, of course, Roku and Amazon Fire. Believe it or not, yes, we are available on those platforms. So plug us in, load us up, check it out there wherever you do those. I don't even know how you do those things, but I know that they're cool, Roku and Amazon Fire. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. All right, everybody have a great Thanksgiving holiday. We're not going to be with you tomorrow. We'll be back for an ATL Hangouts on Friday. We'll get you ready for Falcons and the Commodores. Have a great holiday. We'll talk to you on Friday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta.